0: That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, does your dad love Tom Clancy? Well, so does Dan, and he gets down in daddy with a Division 2. Andy spends some time with various cannabis-consuming vaporizers, emails, and dabaroos, and enters the dungeon. We discuss handhelds that tickle our underbritches, and finally, we look at the smoking hot stinkfest of game releases in August. We also ponder Leafly's list, seven factors that affect your cannabis high, and we'll be settling in for a smoke sesh, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one,
1: the only... He needs a hug. Dank Dan. Andy, my sensors indicate it looks like we'll be leaving the warm sector of the solar system shortly and entering the torpid stream. Oh. And you know what that means. I don't. It's 10 times more likely we'll be hit by an asteroid. That's a good time, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you said a lot
0: of science things there, Dan, and I'm going to forgive you for that because most of us here put our pants on one leg at a time.
1: And real winners go for the double leg pant jump. And for me, 2030, Dank Dan campaigning for asteroid defense system. Yes,
0: and that's cool. And it's easier, I should let you know. Not that I'm trying to take away from your triumphs. Right. But it is easier when those pants are made of rubber. Ooh, rubber pants. Rubber pants. Dan, how are you, buddy? It's been a a mega parsec or two.
1: It's been a spell, but I'm happy to be back in the chair. How about yourself?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. Been just you know circling, circling the outer reaches, just uh, getting comfortable in the sky. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. returned, returned home for a little, uh, little dabaroo, and then off again. But uh, yeah, no, things are good. My dog's clicking around the kitchen, so if you hear him in the background, oh, one sec, got to take the meatballs out of the oven. One second there,
1: Dan. Oh, it's meatball time. Go get him.
0: Just grabbing the meatballs, Dan.
1: Grab them by the meatballs. You
0: can tell them all about the things.
1: That's right. And the stuff. Top notch.
0: Top notch. All the high quality. Wow, those are hot.
1: Professional podcasting. You remember that time you burnt a... Remember that time you burnt a pie when we were podcasting? Well, I tell you what, I didn't burn this time, Dan. I didn't burn no damn meatballs, let me tell you. No, you didn't. Is it meatball sub o'clock in the Andy residence?
0: It's meatball sub o'clock, but let me tell you what we do. It's a little meatball sub hack. We make that out of turkey, let me tell you. When you make a meatball sub out of turkey, it's like 3% healthier.
1: Right, 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 right. Turk, Turk balls. Yeah, we don't call it that, but that's okay. You know, it's probably wise that you didn't. I should focus group mm-hmm. that particular meat moniker. Yeah, before you open a
0: restaurant chain or something like that. Man, mm-hmm. you, um, you would not believe. I actually <laughs> posted a photo on, uh, on the Instagram uh, stories scenario. But when I put my pop filter on my microphone, it looks like Kylo Ren. Oh, does
1: it? What an oh, abomination.
0: Yeah. That's just staring up at me with those evil, sithy vibes, you know? But mm-hmm. it's okay. Uh, Hopefully it's capturing my audio to your satisfaction, Master. And the dark side of the Force. Yes. Yes, it's emanating all manner of dark side things. How are you, Dan? What's new in your life?
1: I'm fantastic. I'm enjoying um, a couple days off. And uh, what I did for my day off is I decided I would repair my iPhone 6. Uh, Have you ever destroyed a phone, Andy? Like, decimated it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same here. here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. This one was one of those ones where I pulled it out of my pocket, and it kind of slipped a bit. And when I went to grab it, instead of retrieving it with my mandibles, I basically spiked <laughs> it into the unforgiving earth. Right. Nice. Like like I was in the end zone, and because it was it seemed like such a victorious move, I did a quick end zone dance. Because if you smash your phone, you got to do a little celebration. For sure. Uh, yeah.
0: If only to recover from the um, the embarrassment. Of your failure. Yeah, carpe diem and all that. So I decided that I <laughs> I'm would... I'm sorry. Let, let, let me, let me just,
1: just rewind here for a second. Good for you, Dan. Right. Good Thank for you. A priest. Oh, that's great. So I <laughs> I turned around. I bought myself a new phone, but I, I knew that I could pass this one off to a family member and it would be an upgrade. So I, I went onto a, a, a website and I ordered the tools and the components to repair this phone. And uh, the guide said it was just like snapping apart Lego. Oh. And it would be easy. It says Five minutes. I see. This is this is one of life's great lies. Andy, not only are the screws small enough to inhale, but everything in there is too small to be handled by human like appendages you can't direct a screw somewhere with just your fingers things are layered onto each other uh you know with the complexity of of something that's complex that someone smart would think of you know metaphors sure (laughs) those things black as night i uh i found myself hitting just a peak of stress so i put on some light jazz and really hunkered down uh and got the device together and it is working but it was it was an hour and 20 minutes of of pure (laughs) hell Wow, dude, you could open a little phone kiosk in the mall now.
0: Everything you ever dreamed about. I think I'd rather take my own life. Tell me about your family now, because it feels like when you say that you've spiked a phone into the earth, mm-hmm. destroyed it, mm-hmm. taken it apart as an amateur and then put it back together with the, not even the barest understanding of what it meant to do so, Well, that providing that to a family member as an upgrade means that you probably need to be, I don't know,
1: subsidizing your family in some way. Well, I mean, they've recently smashed their own phone I and see. I've bought a new phone and like yeah, I could go sell it on Kijiji from a long line of phone smashers. Yeah, I mean, listen, phones they're not meant to really last. They like at some point they're going to meet their demise either into the toilet or, you know, left on top of the car. Like they're not long for this world. I don't think anyone's um held onto their phone more than, say, six years. I think that's like the maximum life expectancy. What?
0: what, Six years?
1: (laughs) God, Dan. Wow. I had my iPhone 3 for an amazing amount of time. Have you had the same haircut for six years, Dan? Come on now. Well... I mean, it's a strange question. Maybe, at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, it just... It, it, I didn't want to go through the hassle of selling on a Kijiji, and uh, my papa had dropped his his phone into an industrial recycler oh. um, that he was working on, so it it was toast. Oh. Uh, and I, I just... I uh, faint at the cost of these bad boys. so I, I did I happily repaired it and I've saved somebody, you know, $700. And no, uh, oh, good for you. And put myself to the challenge. And uh, what I' found is is my hands are uh, more uh, apt for maybe uh, lugging rocks. <laughs> that they are fine uh fine motor sure, skills my sure my future as a neurosurgeon is now unquestionably over it's yeah
0: well that ship has sailed my phone uh yeah well my dad's phone fell into a sarlacc pit dan Oh, did it i mean you just went from having family members without phones to family members who's I, what did you say industrial recycling recycler
1: yeah, right. like it's, the, it's a machine cool. that takes the plastic components, in this case of cars and other things, and shreds them into fine bits so they can then be repurposed into other plastic products. And basically what it will do is just turn anything that goes into it into it like indistinguishable pile of roughage. Um, nice. Speaking of roughage, oh, lovely
0: dog. Oh, dog. Hey, buddy. Oscar, come here, bud. You want to go lie down? You're making a lot of noise. Yes you are. He just he's decided a that t- clacky
1: not Tonight
0: was the na- the night he was going to make lots of noise. Go lie down. Go lie down. Oh no, he's he's not. He's not lying no. down. Okay. You well, have
1: food. Your your dog's
0: not going anywhere. You have turk balls. He's your yeah. best friend now. Bye. Bye, buddy. Oh, he's back. All right. Well, you'll <laughs> just have to deal with that in post. Sorry, bud. Can't wait. Yep. Yeah. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Oh, there goes my oven. It's just a real calamity, real calamity over here.
1: Andy, have you ever attempted any amateur repairs that were beyond your ken before? (laughs) Oh, (laughs)
0: <laughs> man, you have no idea. You have no idea the things I've attempted to repair. It's embarrassing. Uh, you name it, man. I mean, laptops. Actually, there was a period of time before I got my current laptop. Um, and keep in mind, like I, I do a lot of work on my laptop throughout the day, right. so this was not a pleasure laptop. There was a period of time where I would have to regularly take my MacBook apart, remove uh-huh. the battery and several other ancillary elements of the battery area, um, put them all back together, screw it back together. And then tap it twice on the table so that it would start. And I'd have to do this regularly to the point where I always traveled with one of those little screwdrivers, uh, you know, needed for the back of it. Unfortunately, I ended up shorting out my logic board, so that was. But that was like six months of me regularly doing that.
1: So. Oh man! If Apple was a guy, and you asked him, you're like, "Hey, listen, it's, are there any components in here going to break?" He's like, "Oh yeah." I'm like, "Okay, are those components easily serviceable?" he's like laughably no to take the battery out you have to disassemble the unit I go that makes no sense he's like I'm a dick <laughs> yeah Yep. yes sir we've engineered this with malice in mind like here's an example the external um, screws are these strange pentagonal shapes that exist nowhere else in nature Yes. everything inside is hex but the outside says fuck off and give us money
0: <laughs> well, and that's accurate. That's fair. Yeah, you know, I, I again, anytime anything is broken, my first resort is Google. And like, let's say four times out of 10, it's actually not bad, right? You discover that you can actually do the thing. It's not a big deal. You get a video in there. It's pretty simple. I always try to fix it myself. Um, you name it. I mean, I repaired my wife's glasses the other week. That's not easy to do. And it didn't turn out very good, but I did it. Uh, but you know, the other the other six the other six times you run into some real hot water. You get you know, you get to that point halfway through where you're pretty sure that you're friggin' boned. But you press on anyway, because to turn back would be either to admit failure or to just be sitting there with a pile of parts you have no idea what to do with. Um, and that rarely ever turns.
1: Actually, it never turns out good. So, yeah, that's. There's an exact moment in a repair where, you know, you're too far in to turn back. And, and here's, a, here's a universal truth that I've realized whenever you're watching a YouTube video. He always makes it look easy or she inclusive. They always make it look easy. But you need to remember, they are a person who's making a guide video on YouTube, so they know exactly what they're doing. When you go to the go to do the same thing. You have to realize that you are an idiot.
0: (laughs) Well, listen, beware the segue. It's the segue. And all you got to do is pop the uh, retrospective thermometer into the uh, backside upside down space and, uh, you know, pop out the two hex screws beside it and do the hokey pokey. And you do that after he
1: segues and you end up with a reverse hokey pokey. It's what you end up with. I was venturing into my PlayStation to fix an HDMI port that had failed. And uh, I was following this guy on YouTube and he's like nine steps and he's like, and now we're gonna get your soldering iron. And I just audibly go, Oh no. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh no. Oh <laughs> and, and Andy, I That's have so a good. soldering iron for no other reason but to like taunt me from the corner to be like, if you're using me, you've already fucked up. It's already too late. <laughs> it's too late. Turn like, around, man. Prep a space <laughs> in the garbage. For the thing you're you're working on, because you're gonna throw it as hard as you can into the garbage whenever
0: you're done putting me back. A hundred percent. Oh, I got you, man. It's, hey, soldering iron. You're uh, you're kind of handy with technology. No, no, no. Now that's if I get too far and I have to burn a hole through my eye and directly into my brain with one fell swoop.
1: Yeah, if you have to end it all, but with a yeah, clean, end it all a clean
0: cauterized wound. That's it. We don't want to bleed on the upholstery. We do. We do both live with women. Um, safety first. That's no, safety first, and and uh, more importantly, your wife's favorite carpet first.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I uh, I picked up some cool weed swag. Um, I shouldn't say swag. These are pretty complex devices, um, and I received them all at once, which was kind of overwhelming. You know, when you get like too much of a good thing at one time, and it's just you feel like. I don't. Yeah, I it's, guess over, overwhelming. It's normally, is what I'm going for. for
1: me, it's normally whiskey. So yes, I do know how
0: you feel. Right. It's like Christmas. You receive eighteen bottles of whiskey, and normally one bottle of whiskey would send you over the moon, but eighteen just feels like, what am I going to do with all this? Really? I'm going to drink it. No. Who are we? Yeah, going to drink it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I'm going to drink it. Yeah. I'm going down a path that I yeah I just didn't want to venture down. But um, so regardless, I got three pretty sweet devices. And a fourth device that I've been wanting for quite some time. So let me uh, let me go through it. Let me ask you, Dan, are you a dabber at all? I know we don't really talk about dabs much. Certainly, we don't do much dabbing here on the Purple Dungeon Squid. Most of our uh, most of our um, smoke sessions are
1: typically herb related. But have you ever uh, you ever experienced a dab? Man, you remember when we were playing Gloomhaven uh, back in the Geek Safari days? We were doing oh. dabs off the rig then. Oh, I forgot about the dab off the rig then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool.
0: So the thing with a rig and the thing with the dab is that you got your blowtorch and you heat up your banger. And by the time you're done doing that, you got to kind of time the dab. And if you put it in too early, it's too hot. And if you put it in too late, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not necessarily foolproof. Not to say that it's not good, but it's, it's definitely not foolproof. Well, there are two new devices that have come out that I am real pumped about. And I've had the opportunity to try both of them. The first one's called the Puffco Peak. Have you seen this guy around? Like it's pretty much everywhere in the smoking world. Like, have you, have you seen it? He sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. Well, he looks like a lava lamp, which is what Ooh. blows my mind. Yeah, you look at this thing and it looks like, I mean, it's about, let's call it a foot tall. Mm-hmm. And it's conical. Okay. And it looks like a lava lamp. There's really no other way to describe it. Right. Um, but what it is, is it's an electronic. Have you heard of an e-nail before? Do you know what an e-nail is? Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. So for the listener at home who has no idea. By the way, this is a podcast about gaming and weed. Uh, and if you you don't like video games and weed, just probably leave. We'll pull up a but, chair. We'll convince you. Yeah, this is chair. the place, okay. inclusive, sure. inclusive, Andy. More Sorry. listeners. Sorry, More right, listeners. right, right, right. Unnecessary <laughs> gatekeeping. I really, unnecessary <laughs> gatekeeping. Unnecessary. Anyway, so the Puffco Peak. Um, it's it's an email, which is uh, an electronic device that heats up to a certain temperature that you input, so that it's the perfect temperature for a dab, and you don't have to worry about any of the torch quartz banger shenanigans. Right. However, this is a self-contained. Electronic nail, e nail bong, kind of. So, oh, wow. It, yeah. So, the e nail, you know, it used to be the e nail would mount onto a glass bong and you do all your stuff. This is actually built into this like machine that is made of, I believe, ceramic. Don't don't quote me on that. I think it has a ceramic chamber. Obviously, the outside is plastic, but it's a ceramic chamber. And then there's a glass chamber on the top that gives you that kind of bongness to it. Right. right? Um, and man. What a beautiful device! You just heat it up to the proper temperature. You put your little bit of extract on the uh, on the enamel part, um, and it's like an all-in-one kind of travel experience. And that's kind of the common theme here. You know what I mean?
1: It's pretty darn cool, Dan. So you flip it on and you set it to uh, let's get blazed. It takes how long to get up to temperature? I actually don't know. Um,
0: we waited a few minutes before we participated. Had to get all the extract and stuff ready. So I, I don't know what the heat up temperature. Google could probably tell us. Puffco heat time. Oh no, to Google around twenty so, seconds, depending on the temperature setting used. Okay,
1: how do you know when, it, when it's soup? Does it like go ding, or does the light turn green, or? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I probably should have
0: paid closer attention. I just kind of went for it, but that's okay. It's all good, but it's cool, man. I mean, it's got, um, you know, it's got a compartment. Well, it, part of the glass, um, compartment is that it's also, uh, you can put water in it, right? So it's, it's got the water filtration that you would receive in a dab rig oh, nice. and, nice you know, the vapor that you get coming through is just really flavorful. Like I didn't have any issues with scorching. Um, and the most important thing is like the whole unit is just really ergonomic. So there's no like clunkiness to it. It's just, just sits nicely in your hand. Looks really elegant, looks good on a shelf. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's, it's really a wonderful little thing. Um, the crazy thing is, though, is it is quite expensive. And it's 300 I think. Well, let me just take a look Gasp. here. Three se- yeah, it's 379 US, so um, I, don't know, I don't know what it was paid for. But I have to imagine it's around $420, $435. So Ooh. it is expensive. And the other element is I haven't had to deal with this yet. But um, there is a coil in it. So the coil that heats up uh, that I understand is prone to burning out. So, and I think the replacement is around $80. So, mm. yeah. So it's not, I mean, you know, it's not as, as economic, let's call it, especially if you're a heavy dabber and I'm not, so I don't really mind. Like a dab is like a rare thing for me. And if, if I do do a dab, it's a pretty small one, right? Um, but if you're like a heavy duty dabber and you're just rocking dabs all day long, the Puffco Peak
1: is, is probably going to cost you some money on those coils you know i love better living through electronic precision and i i mean if this is your thing if dabbing is your go-to maybe this is the perfect unit that might be a little bit out of my dabbling price range
0: well okay so the second unit then that i looked at is a little bit less expensive and actually i kind of liked it better so it's called the focus v carta which is a really non-intuitive name <laughs> that sounds like a jay-z album there <laughs> actually it does. or maybe like a maybe like a jedi mind tricks album mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. two on the nose do you remember yep. Jedi no, it's Mind It's, r- it's those, right there. Those guys, are, those guys are pretty lit, man. Pretty lit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a similar idea. It's another e the, the cool thing about the Focus V Carta is it's like a good $120 cheaper at retail. So I think, you know, Canadian retail, still not cheap, but it's like $299, I want to say, as opposed to like $420, right? So definitely, definitely better from a price perspective. Looks a little bit um, less elegant than the Puffco. But dude, this thing does herb as well so mm. I didn't try the herb we did another dab off this guy and it was and it was great I actually didn't notice any difference in the quality of the vapor the ergonomics were a bit down but it does herb too so I kind of feel pretty good about that you know what I mean like I, f- I feel yeah I feel pretty good about that something tells me you have a third example <laughs> yeah I was really, really on a bit of a dab tear if we're being honest uh, so okay so the last unit that I tried um in my dab extravaganza was it's called the stash pen Rio and it's not in Canada yet. It is in the U S um, should be available in Canada soon, but can you say that again? It's called the stash pen Rio like spelt like mustache, like mustache, like stash pen. Rio. It sounds a little bit like, I don't know,
1: like a rodeo. It sounds like somewhere that you would store facial hair, um, while in Brazil to avoid unnecessary sweating. Yeah, that's a little more creative than a rodeo. Um, Yeah.
0: I digress. This is a super creative piece of of kit here. So the Stash Pen Rio is actually an all-in-one dab rig. So there's nothing electronic about it. And I got to be honest, between these three units, I hands down would take the Stash Pen Rio anytime because... The only thing you got to worry about with it is butane. The other two, you got coils and batteries and stuff like that. And I don't know about you, man, but like I find that that kind of stuff can really mess up a smoke element if you're, you know, not thinking of charging your battery or you're grabbing it to go to a buddy's house or to a, a field or a hoedown or a electoral debate. <laughs> and, you know, you just want to bring your dad rig and you forgot to charge that thing, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the Stash Pen Rio is like this little. It's all, ah, how can I describe it? It looks, it's about, you know, let's call it um, a third of a foot tall. And it's this little kind of rectangular glass dab rig that sits in this beautifully colorful little silicone holder. I know it's probably hard to understand. But basically, it has a torch that's inlaid in to the silicone holder. And it comes out just enough to expose the quartz banger that comes with this thing to flame. But it's totally hands-free. So imagine this: you put your little rig on the table, you know, you turn on the um, you turn on the butane, you push the button one time, thing fires up, and now it's totally hands-free. This little rig's heating itself up on your table. It's blowing blowing flame up at that you know super thick quartz banger. You've got a nice carb cap that fits perfectly into the quartz banger that comes with it. And as soon as you're done heating your bowl up, you just turn it off. No hands required. No, like messing around with a torch or anything like that. Let it come to temperature and boom, you're dabbing away. That thing was freaking cool. I suggest if you do not listener at home friend, non video game and weed lover, welcome. Happy to have you. Um, if you've got an opportunity to check that thing out on Instagram, there are a bunch of videos of people using this thing. It's like $220 retail or something like that. Super worth it. Super worth it. Especially if you're like an everyday dabber.
1: Is this thing the most portable of the three? Well, no, they're all pretty
0: portable. They all have portable, like they all have cases and stuff like that. So you could bring any of them anywhere. But the Stash Pen Rio is, um, requires the least upkeep because you're dealing with, just butane so you fill that torch up if you run out of butane butane's an easy thing to find right um and generally speaking you're only going to be refilling it you know once every once every 10 to 15 sessions or whatever right so it's uh, yeah it's definitely the most
1: uh convenient let's call it That's the the thing that's kept me from being an avid dabber is that it feels like there's like preparation gear and an operation all involved. And I just want to pack a bong and and let it rip because it's usually I'm on my way to do something. So like the smoke isn't necessarily the something. It's the enhancer to kick it all up a notch. And I feel like dabbers, the dabbing is the something. You know what I mean? No, I know what you're saying, man. I mean, that's why I don't dab really very often either.
0: And that's why I'm so excited about these devices, because whichever one you pick, like, it just makes dabbing way easier. And listen, you know, it's funny,
1: because now that... I'm sorry, go ahead. I I didn't mean to cut you off, Dan. Uh, I would just say, and I would never turn down a dab. Like, I don't want to poo-poo a dab. It's a delightful experience, but I feel like a novice... Um, so, you know, those, it's always been somebody else that's, it's, uh, prepped me up a dab like yourself. You're, you're pretty good with that thing. Uh, well, yeah,
0: yeah, no, you know, you know, but I mean, this is it. Like, and I, th- I feel like the availability of these items is the, it's the, um, it's the stopover to more mainstream dabbing because, you know, United States is United States, whatever it is, but. Canada extracts are becoming legal here in the fall. We don't have extracts at cannabis retail stores right now. So if you want an extract, you got to sit there and press it in a rosin press or do do your own jam, right? In the fall, people are going to be introduced to the world of dabbing. And if you thought that the idea of having legal weed stores selling you weed that you smoke is weird, having like a perfectly legal store out in the middle of nowhere or, you know, trying to teach local residents how to dab, that's that's a, like okay, sir. Here's your giant torch. Make sure you bring this home. Here's your dab rig and all the ancillary accessories. Blow torch the hell out of that sucker. And then just as it's cooling to the correct point, use this innovative little scooper to scoop up your marijuana juice and throw it into the gig. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's, it's a little unapproachable. These items is kind of an all in one. Even the stash penrio, you're using a torch. Yes. But it's a little bit more socially acceptable because you're not wielding a torch
1: separately. You know what I mean? It's, it's an integrated piece of the machinery, not its own weapon to be levied. Uh, yeah. You know, I up, mean, the On expression. the other side, though, you can yeah. use that torch to make some delicious creme brulee. So you might be missing out there. Oh, and it's a perfect flame
0: for a brulee torch, if I do say so myself. So, yeah. you know. But my point is this. It's like brandishing a torch is what makes dabbing weird. Like, you Mm. have to imagine, you go to a person's house, and they're anywhere but their garage waving a torch around, you're probably not sticking around. Like, you're going home. You're starting to sweat. Yeah, you're getting a little worried. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's your Nana. Nana's having a bad day. The drapery's not going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally so there's actually a fourth device um and this is a herb device it's a herb vape. Don't, i don't list the four i, don't, mm, fourth I indie, like oh i'm OCD's sorry kicking i'm in. sorry okay, okay, okay i won't go through a full review or anything like that but the argo dude i got the argo it's the ariser go it is my new herb vape it is my new herb mecca that thing is sweet i will um I, I don't have it right now i've got a little joint for the smoke sesh i will bring it for our next smoke session we can talk about how wicked bad the argo is
1: nice Nice. Nice. So what's going on with you? Buddy, in the long list of m- malfunctioning equipment, my Joy-Con lost its center point. What? Is this Have you heard of this? So this is a common problem that's happening with Joy-Cons and I didn't Sounds like a self-help book. Uh, it and it will be. I'm playing uh, Breath of the Wild, brand new <laughs> game that no one's heard of. And every time I go to do a thing, uh, Link just strolls off whatever ledge I'm doing a thing off. And I'm like, is oh, this yeah. a feature? So I like turn off motion controls to make sure it's not that. And it keeps happening, much to my peril. And like it's adversely affecting my enjoyment. Because there's there's some precision shooting in uh, Breath of the Wild. There's some not walking off cliffs to your death is kind of imperative to the game. So I, yeah. I go into the configuration of the uh, Switch... And ever so ever so often, my Joy-Con on the right hand side is just blipping to the right, and so I got onto the old Google foo, and it seems this is happening with a lot of Joy Cons, um, oh, yeah. and it's it's been something that people have been kind of raging about, and I found out that um, Nintendo is, uh, in many cases, repairing them for free. You send them into them uh, free of charge; they'll pay for the shipping, and they're repairing them. Um, oh. so I don't have to watch. Uh, you don't have to pull out the soldering iron. I can just do that. Have you experienced this at all, the Joy-Con woes?
0: Well, listen, man, if you're ever thinking of pulling out the soldering iron, you just call your old pal Andy. I'm here, man. I'm here to listen because I don't want that thing touching your brain. Okay, great. You'll talk me off the ledge. I appreciate that. I'll talk you. I'll talk you off the iron. Um, yeah. So I knew very much about the um, the Joy-Con issue. I, blessedly, I haven't experienced it on my own. Um, I think it's probably because um, I don't know. Probably I'm superior in some way. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that Nintendo would fix it. So that's pretty rad.
1: Yeah, they weren't for a while. They're kind of ignoring it. And then they were you could ship it to them and they might cover the cost if you're warranty. And apparently now um, they're not even checking the warranty. They know it's an issue. It's it's probably Nintendo's largest hardware fail in terms of like a component that just straight up fails like we've we've heard of the woes of previous generations the red circle of death or the blinking yellow of death and this i feel like this is nintendo's first no. kick at that particular what? cat
0: Dude, did no? you not have a Nintendo 64? Man, I ate like I sixty of those controllers, and then there was no—I mean, oh, there was barely oh, inter, there was barely those... an internet at that point. So I did not know yeah. anything about mailing those things in. Was... Those got
1: savaged. Those got savaged from usage, but I think that they took a little bit more of a beating, don't you? I
0: don't know, dude. I literally went through ten of those controllers. Like I remember buying one every couple of months, you know, and, and and I was a young lad at that point, so it was kind of like. I'd have to go through a whole cycle of emotional depression to get my to get my parents to pay attention to the fact that I needed a new controller it was manipulative I get it
1: they learned from that center joystick because that center joystick is really long so like your movement on it was torquing it all the time oh, and it was man. like at the beginning it had this stiff virality and then oh, at the end yeah. it was just like limply Limp over and to the hanging. right Limp and and <laughs> hanging. yeah Anyone who knows anything, whenever they go to buy an aftermarket, you know, in 64 controller, they're checking the stiffness. And when it's nice and taut, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's it right there. <laughs> Too much. Just dude. enough.
0: <laughs> I mean, you, had, you, you also, it, somehow all of the third-party controllers, you would expect, like, the mad cats of the world would have iterated and been like, okay, it's clearly an issue. Like, let's just make, I mean, everyone's playing Nintendo 64 at that point. So it was kind of like the dominant well it was the dominant console and you would assume that these aftermarket people would be like if we just fix this this controller joystick thing everybody will buy a mad cats and the thing was is the mad cats Joysticks were even worse.
1: Were worse. They, they had they less resident tension. Worse. Like, as soon as you use them, they didn't have as much pullback. But I don't think it can be fixed in a sense because it's like, it's just not a good design. And you can tell, like, Nintendo knows this because the new sort of joysticks, they have no height at all. They like hug the controller because they right. know well, it, if you rise to those heights, it's more distance to fall. Like, the, the tall joystick <laughs> looks great, but it, it ain't going to work out for you. The joystick Icarus theory. That's right. Too close to the go. sun, my
0: friend. Too close to the sun. Um, I will tell you the thing that killed all of those 64 controllers. You maybe know what I'm talking about. Cruising um, USA.
1: cruising uh, really?
0: USA? Oh, dude. There,
1: there's Did a you, game... What's the game that where you have to like? There's games where you have to spin that the Joy-Con as hard and as fast as you can. Well, I that's don't what remember. It
0: was Cruisin' USA. You're in for why a pit would you change. do that? Because you're changing your tire. It's oh. insane. It was the craziest thing of all time. So you're in, in the middle of a race. You're like, okay, I'm not gonna mess with my controller. I know that this game messes up your controller. No big deal. You get into the pit. And honestly, to make any meaningful progress in this this game, you not only had to twirl the thumbstick, you had to get the thumbstick on your palm. Yeah. You had to start going clockwise as quickly as you could to the point where the flesh began to rub off the middle of your palm. Mm-hmm. Blood would pour into your controller and you'd still get beaten by the AI. <laughs> That's so brutal. It was... It was insane, and like, I, 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 like this is not hyperbole. Bleeding palms was a normal thing for me. At some point, I had tape around the middle of my palms. <laughs> Worse for the controller, but definitely better for my hand.
1: Right, because it had, it had laid you low. You couldn't high-five anymore. When but you I began was cruising the USA and got first place, went for the high-five, couldn't do it
0: couldn't do it i was a young lad at taekwondo people thought i was a real badass nobody thought that but people maybe thought i was a real badass because i had all these bloody palms taped up and if your palms are bloody that means you're executing some pretty darn elaborate taekwondo moves many hours in the dojo many hours in the dojo that's some bruce lee style top of the mountain no not bruce lee i'm looking for bruce wayne the better bruce um yeah, regardless, it, argue. it was all it's all cruising USA Lambos and Ferraris and bleeding palms.
1: The 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 car the game that said, yeah, you can do a flip in this car. Don't freak, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yep. Well, anyway, that
0: was that uh, was a brutal memory. Um, listen, Dan, I wanted to ask you a question. Are you a handheld guy?
1: Because I know you're not really a handheld guy, but I wanted to <sighs> ask anyway. I'm not a handheld guy, although. The the Switches is, is made me a convert. The Switch is the handheld that I have played the most and enjoyed the most. Oh, nice. Why do you think that is? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I, I was pushed off, and I, I mentioned on the podcast before, handhelds in the early days. Because um, I first had to uh, coerce my grandmother against my mother's wishes to get me a Nintendo. And uh, she was very heated about it, uh, furious. Uh, and then the Sorry, only people I knew was that had... being coerced? No, no, my mother, when it showed up on, like, Christmas, my mom's like, "Oh!" So anyway... Uh, you waterboarded that was only... grandma for this? That's right, I struck her about the head and neck. But, uh, <laughs> so, I, until I could uh, raise my own money when it was Super Nintendo time, there were no other game devices, but all the kids I knew that were, like, spoiled rotten, like the Derek with the long uh, mullet and a rat tail and an earring, who was like, buy two, mom, I'm not sharing with Lisa, or whatever... Um, they, those are the kids that had Game Boys the spoiled kids so I kind of like resented them for it but I felt like even so like when I got on the Game Boy this giant thing you can barely see the screen I'm squinting to see Tetris and I'm like I don't I don't get it this I don't it didn't it, the appeal didn't land for me I'd rather play my Nintendo and then if when I'm outside I'll do outdoor things you know run around and, and play Manhunter or whatever when I'm indoors I'll, I'll play my Nintendo and I was happy in that space no, I get you.
0: I, I, were you a were you a long car trip kid?
1: Because I was a long car trip kid. Yeah, I was a long car trip kid. And what I found was, is long car trip meant just the batteries were going to die in the first five minutes. And you're like, Dad, can I get some more batteries? He's like, you can get a warm glass to shut the hell up. And I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> all right, all right. You, so, do you want a Game Boy? Try Window Boy. Look out that window. <laughs> Jesus. Well, in my. <laughs> charmed beautiful
0: childhood we had access to batteries basic necessities mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. batteries um, right so I, uh, I don't know you said you were a long did you car just refer circuit. to batteries as a basic, basic necessity listen like the- dude dad needs some batteries of course son basic necessity
1: he's just constantly finding his tv remote just bereft of batteries <laughs> and you're like i don't know what happened it could be anything <laughs> <laughs> it
0: could be aliens um yeah man i mean so for me, I was in the car once a week, usually like two hours each way. And that's a long time for a young lad, right? So at some point, my, my parents... It was a fond memory. I remember my, me sitting in Zellers, which is the old Canadian equivalent of Walmart before it went out of business. Uh, and Walmart came here and ate everything. Um, and I was sitting in Zellers. It's closing time. You know, I like think it's 9 p.m., and I don't remember what the occasion was. Who cares? A good report card, end of the year, whatever the scenario was. Didn't with wet the bed? Maybe. Probably that right. also. Maybe. But that was just a bonus. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the proverbial ice on the cake. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just, congratulations. For you, it sounds like it would have been a stiff beating. But, um, but regardless, not trying to throw shade on your parents, but wow. Um Regardless, it's like 9 p.m., and I'm sitting in Zellers with my mother. Dad's coming. He's got the cash, uh, and they're trying to kick us out of the darn store because it's closing at 9 p.m., and I'm just not moving. I'm not leaving until my dad gets there so he can buy a freaking Atomic Purple Game Boy Color and a copy of Pokemon Blue. And Lord knows wow. that's what happened. And it is, it is to this day one of my fondest memories. So I can understand why you didn't like handhelds. It's a real, real tale of the haves and have-nots for you. For me, it was a celebration of life and childhood. So that's, that's just how it went down for me. And that's why Game Boy Color is my pick for greatest handheld of all time. Despite the fact that, yeah, I mean, Switch is, is easily uh, far more advanced and exciting. Game Boy Color just,
1: it's got it. It's got something. See? Game Boy, the color thing started to get me. You know what I mean? Like when I saw uh, a Game Gear, I was like, oh, that looks awesome. And I'm like, hey, Tyler, can I play that when you're done? He's like, "Um, I just put fresh batteries in. So I have 10 minutes and I'm just probably going to play it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what it is. And, uh, you know, I I remember seeing the Game Boy Color. That kind of makes sense. I actually bought myself a DS now that I think of it. I played it for a little bit but it was at a time when like high school was coming up. So I, right. I gave it to my, my girlfriend's little brother and to him, it was like mind blowing. Yeah, like, dude, I gave away my DS
0: to a younger, a younger lad as well in high school. I and mean, it was, we were on the same wavelength there. Like generally, by the time high school came around, I wasn't super interested in handhelds and I only picked it up again after, um, after, you know, university or whatever. But, uh, In respect to the Game Boy Color, totally. It had something. There was a huge library of games. You could play old Game Boy games on it. Um, There was a lot to love about it. I did have the Game Gear also. And the Game Gear was a weirder affair because it came much earlier than Game Boy Color for me. Um, And it was given by like an aunt or an uncle or something like that. I was quite Mm -hmm. young. I didn't really, couldn't really appreciate it. And exactly as you said, the batteries were atrocious. And I only had one game which was Sonic Triple Trouble, okay? Um, and dude, I, I think that game was bought from like I don't know some like back back alley Radio Shack knockoff. I just seem mm-hmm. to remember it's a hazy memory, but that game was freaking great. Maybe the oh, best yeah? Sonic game, maybe the best Sonic game of all time. I'm just gonna put on. Wow. One. Also, the only Sonic game I've ever completed to perfection
1: really and it, i gotta say man the sega game gear color was like crazy vibrant like it uh, to oh, me yeah. just in my memory like it was better looking than you know a uh, uh, crt of the time it was like sonic's blues and the greens of world one just like really jumped out oh yeah man
0: yeah you know, I, I remember the game beer being game gear game beer game gear being great <laughs> Um, but it wasn't, wasn't my first love the Game Boy Color. Yeah. It got me through like, you know, sixth, seventh grade really, really got me through that. Um, great, great library of titles too. And the thing is, is today you can still go back and find Game Boy Color games that are fresh and fun to play. Uh, And the reason is, is because it was a different type of game. You've got a sprite-based game, and developers at the time, with the exception of Pokemon, whose formula really hasn't changed over time, but game developers at that time had to find ways to get around the limitation of that medium, right? It's it's the same reason why SNES is still so playable right now. You've got 2D, you've got Sprite. What do we do with all of this 2D Spriteness? Well, we put together games that are really exciting and fun in that context. And I feel like Game Boy Color... Is really the best example of game developers finding the fun in that medium. I feel like you know, even as we get into like DS and 3DS, especially 3DS, really kind of lost me a bit because it's just too like in the middle of being good with 3D graphics and also still dealing with some of those um, those holdbacks from the uh, from the limitation of being a handheld at the time. Switch has totally flipped that on its grill though
1: yeah absolutely and you're right something about a narrow development constraint sometimes when the path is narrow you can get creative inside that path when it's like wide open you can make any game you want sometimes that can be paralyzing that's why you find you'll find a game with like a hundred bolt-on systems and there's all this extra stuff and then before you know it it's a battle royale royale Fortnite and all that's left is to commit Sabuko. To <laughs> very good Very good.
0: Well, um, we should probably head over to our sponsors here. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid, episode number 37. 37, Dan. Damn. This podcast has more episodes than you have years. I'm catching up, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weed and Video Games. Weed and Video Games. Love you. Thank you. Also brought to
1: you by Shoe Cover Covers tired of your shoe covers getting dirty? Buy these new anti-stick shoe cover covers. Never have your shoe covers get dirty again. Shoe cover covers.
0: <laughs> that doesn't feel as off the cuff as it usually is, Dan. Well
1: done. Uh, brought to you by Felix's Double Strength Cat Armor. Your cat is a mad cat, A serious cat. But he doesn't have time for the nicks and scrapes that will get him down when it's time to rush in into a melee. He needs... Cat Armour. Ar- James from Chainmail, Double Plate, or Nested Ringmail. He'll be slaying dragons in no time, or just some anxious nords. Nice. Felix, Double Strength Cat Armour. I had to look at it again.
0: <laughs> Man, you went on a tear. Good for you. You're really on fire today, Dan. I'm feeling it. Keep it going. Brought to you
1: by Horse Mints. Whoa there, Bison. What kind of breath do you have there, old girl? What have you been doing? Chewing butts all day? <laughs> Here's a fresh breath mint. Choose from carrot, celery, or your favorite, apple. You'll say nay to bad breath. Come on. Tell me you don't have this shit written what, down. What was my ho- what was my horse's what was my horse's name there? The I said bison? bison? That's a bison. terrible that's a,
0: that's a confusing horse name. Dan, I think you've really upped your game. All right. Brought to you by CBD personal lubricant
1: um do you want (laughs) to get high on her supply (laughs) go down under with cbd personal lubricant and come up blazed (laughs) yeah well
0: if only cbd got you high i did what i could with what i had (laughs) yeah all right very good well if you actually want to sponsor the show all 37 episodes up for (laughs) grabs If you actually want to sponsor the show or, I don't know, give us some feedback about how much you love Dan or Andy or Andy, you can go ahead and shoot us an email at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. I'll never stop. (whistles) Oh, Dan, 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 Dan. 45 minutes. Of Preamble. High five, my friend. A stern a stern, and stiff opening. A stern welcome welcome to the Purple Dungeon Squid. If you hadn't clued in already, this is indeed a podcast about weed and video games. And uh, <laughs> I hear you've played some video games, Dan. I have, man.
1: I, I got to break off a piece of a couple games that have been sort of sitting on my library. And uh, one of them I think. Well, that's great, on. Dan. Let
0: me stop you right there. I've been oh. playing Enter the Gungeon. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Cut off.
1: That's so exciting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't mean Tell to be me a, a complete and total jackass, but um, I wanted to squeak this in here real quick because Sneaker I know in. you've got a you got a meaty one, you got a meaty one coming up. But I picked up Enter the Gungeon a long while back and only really started playing it this week. And I have done myself a disservice, sir. Have you heard
1: of Enter the Gungeon? I have. I've seen some clips, and may I say one of the more clever video game names of our generation. Can we agree to that? We can agree to that. We can agree to that. I have not
0: sufficiently explored all of the bells and whistles and enter the gungeon has just been creeping into my, um, it's been creeping into my periphery on Instagram, I'm just, I'm there, there's people, and they're always referring to Enter the Gungeon, and it's always appearing on these top ten lists that I'm looking at online, and, you know, I'll just, I'll flip into a Twitch stream, and there's, there's a dude playing Enter the Gungeon, and so, at some point, having downloaded this to my Switch, sometime around the turn of the century, I decided that I wanted to get in, and I wanted to give it a try, and as you said very clever. The game is a roguelike in the same vein as Did you ever Did you ever play Binding of Isaac or Isaac
1: or um, whatever? I, same thing. I've seen some clips. It's a little drippier than and moister than normally I'd like, but uh I get it, yeah.
0: Man, let me just say something about Binding of Isaac. That game appeared to be very cool. People love that game. Way too gross for me. Same reason <laughs> I didn't I just didn't like Ren and Stimpy.
1: I also it's, didn't it's, like Binding of Isaac. It feels wet in there. You know, it feels like I need to towel off after.
0: Yeah, and there's, like, something about fetuses and and evil, satanic parents. It's for somebody.
1: It's for somebody. Apparently,
0: it's for a lot of people. Like, a lot of people like that shit. I just... I can't get down with it. And it's unfortunate because anytime you look up a list of, you know, the most popular roguelikes, you inevitably find the Binding of Isaac. Fear not. Enter the Gungeon is Binding of Isaac, but non-gross and with um, some, let's call it tongue-in-cheek gun humor because Mm -hmm. the game sounds like it's in the celebration of guns and this is not a good... Gun puns. Sure. It's not a good week for gun puns. Gun violence. Actually, super bad. Super bad call, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and it just, just like on a serious note, tragic week. Um, gun violence, terrifying. Um, and at the same time, Enter the Gungeon is a game that is pretty tongue in cheek and also has 200 weapons that you can use, most of which are also pretty tongue in cheek. So there's definitely a lightheartedness to it. It's not a gun nuts game. Let's go that direction, right? Um, what it is, though, is a game with a ton of mechanics because of these unique and innovative weapons that you're shooting right? Um, Everything from toxic goo launchers to, I mean, the most piddly of pea shooters that shoot actual peas. Like it's, it's a pretty, (laughs) yeah, it's a, it's a Ah, a, gun puns, Oh, gun puns. It's a silly game. It's a silly game. Um, but really engrossing. What can you say about a roguelike? Right? It's challenging. Obviously. Yeah. It's a tough game. That's what roguelikes are all about. It's quasi randomized. Yeah. Check that box as well. Randomized in a pleasant way. There's a handful of bosses you can encounter on the first couple floors. They rotate, so you're not not usually like you know you remember dead cells, right? It's got some randomization, but it's usually pretty consistent in the in the you know the enemies that you're fighting.
1: Like the stage types are set, the enemy types are set, but it is the layout and what is contained in those layouts. So inside of like two bookends, it, it can be anything, but it doesn't go outside of those parameters.
0: Right, and so, again, that that had its own charm. Dead Cells was, was going strong in that direction. Enter the Gungeon, um, I want to say, feels a bit more varied to me, um, but also feels more self-contained. Like, like, Dead Cells really did feel like the kind of game that every time you ran through a stage you know you were iterating on your past performance enter the gungeon there's multiple characters you can choose from you're really just trying to get as far as you can and there's some variety along the way to keep things fresh Uh, but the the real variety in this roguelike comes from the sheer amount of weapons you can toy around with and it's just, just like good, clean fun. Really snappy and quick to get back into the action once you've inevitably died. Um, and the animation is is beautiful. The pixel art is gorgeous. It's just an absolute pickup. And my understanding is is that once you get through the five or six floors, I can't quite recall, and get through the, the lion's share of the um, of the game the game carries on I don't know if it's indefinitely for a good long time with uh, a number of secrets and a number of secret uh, stages and levels and also the developers still delivering DLC on this thing so and it's wow. free yeah so so you know new weapons and new stages and enemies and stuff like that so just an overall really great like if you're looking for the roguelike to occupy your time with in between Marathon Breath of the Wild playing and wrangling your Joy-Con probably enter the dungeon. wow nice and it's a top-down roguelike correct it's a top-down twin-stick shooter roguelike so nice. you're, yeah you're going around and you're it's funny because like so let me let me go into it um 420 friendly for sure once you know it's a two-stick shooter <laughs> so i played right. i played i played through the first like two hours of this game after enjoying a nice vape uh and did not know that i was to be using my right thumbstick to pivot around and shoot things, so spent a lot of time like circling Unidirectional, around,
1: unid- just negotiating
0: like, enemies to your one side. That's yeah, it was uh, so, it, it was it was an exercise in frustration. Needless to say, I almost came into this review with an, a very opposite opinion, like with
1: such a negative. <laughs> Andy, I have um, a personal rule: it's tutorial then bong, not the other right. way around. Right. No bong
0: No bong yeah, no bong uh, But definitely 420 friendly. Like, it's really easy to di- dial into it. Um, simplified, streamlined gameplay. Very much reactional. So there's not a lot of thinking that happens once you're going through. And there's also the novelty and surprise of finding yet, net, yet another silly gun. So one of the better smoke-and-play kind of games. Um, and really, really beginner-friendly, too. Like, I was in and playing in a short very short amount of time so it's got co-op too it's got uh
1: nice i love that yeah it's Online got local co-op, co-op right
0: no 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 it's local co-op um uh-huh. i haven't done it yet i think you need to play a purple wizard or something as the second player i don't really know what it is but you talk I'm to a guy that. at the front portal and you can take on player two but yeah i haven't haven't done that yet
1: sounds like uh hello from the magic tavern you sort of the blue oh I am Usador, Wizard of the Twelfth Realm Copyrighted. Of- nope. Sh- okay. Shut it down. Copyrighted. All right. <laughs>
0: uh, shout out to Hello
1: from the Magic Tavern. Pretty funny. Yeah. Andy Camp or Arnie Camp, Sorry, Andy. You were Andy Camp there for a second. Yep. No question. So I hear uh, you,
0: like uh, every countryman's dad, likes Tom Clancy.
1: I, you know what? I don't like Tom Clancy. I remember playing the very, very first Rainbow Six, and I was like, uh, "The guy on The Simpsons." I'm like, "This game ain't no good." <laughs> <I'm> like, done <laughs> immediately.
0: Too, Not only Rainbow Six. Let me just put a put another long list of asterisks on that. Ghost Recon. Like every Ghost Recon I bought with the intention of loving it, and really hated it. It just felt. Like, an awful game. The gun, there's no responsiveness to the weapon you're shooting. You're just looking at a reticle. It's slow, but you're in a war zone, so going slow feels weird. And I get it's realistic, but it's not fun. Yeah, just not for me.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I haven't played a lot of Ghost Recon. And I, ever since the first Tom Clancy's uh, release that I played, I didn't pick up any of them. I played uh, uh, The Division One just a little bit. And it just, I liked the idea they had. But it felt like fighting down a hallway all the time and the draw distance was poor and it wasn't felt like it wasn't done right. So I was a little bit trepidatious, shall we say, about uh, The Division 2. came out in March. Uh, Ubisoft came out for PC, uh, Xbox, and PlayStation, uh, done by Massive Entertainment under Ubisoft. And we're talking first-person action shooter, uh, third-person if that's how you like it. And it's like a tactical online multiplayer thing, open-world looter shooter. And some of those things really worked for me and I'd heard great stuff on the reviews, so I fired this thing up and oh my God. For what it is, if you like a grounded in sort of reality, um looter shooter open world game, this thing is near perfect. Oh, oh, oh really? Oh, I, I yeah. was expecting
0: I was expecting a thorough thrashing. I didn't
1: realize you liked it. Oh man, like as soon as you 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 get into the open world, you you notice. So first of all, because you're kind of it's post-apocalyptic, it's in a future um where uh, the US has encountered some trouble. I believe uh, I let's just say I skimmed through some of the story. It, That's it seemed the fine. I just was I it, it is the future, just briefly in the future. It's like 2022 20 or something. And uh, basically from now. uh I, So yeah, as soon as you get in the open world, Everything feels great. The guns feel realistic and powerful. Everything's, you know, sort of grounded in reality. You're kind of like um, you're an agency group that's there trying to help, in this case, Washington get back on its feet. And there's, you know, there's uh, the populace is broken the survivors from this. I think it's a plague. Uh, And then uh, perhaps an attack. Uh, has broken into uh, factions. There is uh, your faction, which is like the good guys, the militia. You are, an, I think it's called the Shade Agency. Anyway, the division is helping Washington get back get back on its feet. And there's all these other factions that have sort of devolved into, you know, might makes right. They're killing people and taking supplies and trying to, to fortify up Washington. Um and you're sort of fighting against that. And everything about it's very cool. The gameplay loot is or loop is really tight. You're taking control points. You're stopping public exec- executions. You're uh, doing random events oh. that appear on the map. And as you do that, there's almost uh, nonstop loot. You're picking up backpacks. Every nook and cranny, every corner um, has something cool to find. And those resources go back into um, improving the various settlements across Washington. And the game, like, uh, you can pick waypoints and it'll take you on the main path down the road. But everything, every little, like, in through buildings and nook and cranny alley, that's where the cool stuff is. And you're rewarded for taking these, you know, surreptitious routes with, you know, better gear, more interesting stuff. And before I knew it, I thought I just started playing the game. I dumped 24 hours into this. Wow! Title. Damn! Like, like quick, like like lightning. Um, oh okay, Wait, wait, wait. So, so I, because I'm in thoroughly intrigued by
0: everything you're saying. So, this is yeah. like, let me just make sure I establish some facts here. This is like a Destiny with the cool backstory that you were just alluding to, but it's got like sounds like it's a it's it's a modern world post apocalyptic Destiny esque kind of game. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Like. And Destiny is a a perfect uh, sort of touchstone, except for everything is grounded in the real world, which I find it, a lot it, destiny has to fill in the blanks with all this story it's constantly making up story and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not and that can be fun and fantastical and adventurous i love destiny but because it's the real world a lot of the gaps you can assume because you know what the real world's like so it's just the highlights to get touched upon the differences, is what's going on um, i don't want to spoil everything which is why i'm so vague with the story um and this game, what I love about it is it's so hop in, hop out multiplayer. Mys- myself and my buddy bought it at the same time. We started, you know, basically level one at the same time and I played as a two man. This is amazing because as a one man it's very much a ground cover game you're ducking in and out in cover um very good cover system I I love it like you if you're in cover you can point at another piece of cover and hold x and your guy will run to that cover in like an efficient manner oh, you can nice. like reload your gun while you're while you're running it, fantastic and and, it, and it, it's the little things like that like um if you have your pistol out I know this is a random fact If you have your pistol out, you can reload while you're diving, like dodging out of the way where you can't do that with another gun because it's too big or unwieldy. But, you know, if you a lot of times you'll run out of ammo in your two main weapons, you got to switch over to the pistol. And it's a really easy switch, double trap triangle. You exhaust that clip. And as you're dodging out of whatever trouble you're getting into, you can reload during a dodge. And If you know how I play these games, Andy, I play balls out like i'm I'm in the mess, especially when I'm with a partner because I'm making him sort of cover me as we go as I take the huge risk and you're being the really the, the 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 weakest link is what you're just putting everyone at risk as usual so this is this is the thing, Andy when it goes well and it usually does triumphant when it goes badly, like if you run out and something goes you get shotgunned in the face, you have to shamefully be like, "Hey oh, man, can you come res me real quick?" <sighs> <laughs> just really,
0: really quick. Um Do you have uh do you have a
1: hey man can you come res me map to double tap square? Yeah, exactly. It's all over voice chat, which is which is great, has inbuilt voice chat as soon as you jump in. Um and it, you know it's just it's put a lot of uh, focus into the details something that was really tiring me about fallout since about fallout 3 is the world looks like it was compiled together by programmers dropping random assets in rooms that's That's kind of like
0: that's kind of like bethesda games and i mean it's hard to say because skyrim does feel pretty well put together but yeah let me just let me just echo fallout i agree with you entirely fallout (laughs) just feels like like rng city
1: yeah, exactly. In, in Gamebrio, the engine they were using for Fallout, it's like 26 years old and they're still doing that. The, I, one thing the subtle props I have to give this game is every inch of it feels natural, feels like the, the stuff around isn't dropped there by some guy. It, it, it both makes sense and seems random. Like it, it wasn't necessarily... Uh, you know, somebody dropped and dragged an asset down to you know the pylons knocked over the caution tape. Um, it was Christmas around Christmas when society collapsed. So there's like you'll find Christmas presents and trees and wreaths on doors in certain places. Nice. Um, it, it's just such a cool, nuanced world in that way. Um, and Is that I'm, what it I'm says just having on your a blast.
0: Profile, Dan?
1: What's that? Every inch should feel natural oh man that's pretty good let me just update my tinder report. no I have, I have a girlfriend swipe um, right so, swipe right so um you know so exploration is encouraged and rewarding um the game is lightly monetized um there is a a season's pass that gets you access to like a couple extra activities and a little bit extra rewards um all those extra rewards are um visual are are you know uh, just what's the word i'm looking for cosmetic cosmetic thank you yes um which is cool. Sorry, can you can you can you
0: elaborate on that a little bit? Because um, you know, I think post-apocalyptic modern shooter, and that's one of the things I was going to bring up, is you know, Destiny is all about getting the sexy looking gun, the sexy looking armor. Not all about, but a big chunk of it is just getting those improved cosmetics. And in the post-apocalyptic future, uh, apart from you know some of the iconic Fallout over-the-top, um, you know mega body armor suits I can't really imagine what cosmetic improvements look like in the division two unless they go goofy with it or something
1: it's a little bit more grounded because you kind of take on the role of an operator like an elite sort of uh you know army type guy so uh to give you an idea right now uh I have a red beret on an unbuttoned suit jacket and then some blue pants and uh, then all your gear on top because so you have like Sounds a backpack on. Real
0: a real serious, uh, you know, down to earth, grounded in reality tone, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister Unbuttoned Blue Suit Jacket, taken out renegades it's a tuxedo. and suicide bombings.
1: It's a tuxedo jacket. When the world fell, I was at a gala dinner. That's sort of uh, what's yeah, going yeah, on behind yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, currently,
0: man, your culture is not what my culture is not. Never mind. It's all good
1: currently rob is wearing a uh, a cowboy hat i believe and some sunglasses and a hawaiian shirt so we're having fun with it um, but on top of it you're kind of normalized cuz you're all wearing like similar gear like uh, in terms of like a uh, Some kind of holster, like gun holster and then a backpack um, because you have to actually have the, you know, the grenades that you're carrying and the weapons, they kind of naturally hang off you. So you have that sort of operator military look regardless. But you can have some fun with the stuff on it. I put on a rain jacket at one point, so I was just a doof running around looking like a yellow banana. But there's nobody with like there's nobody with like giant party hats like it hasn't got quite into the silliness yet. Uh, that said, I haven't got to the end game, so maybe there's some silliness
0: down there. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a leopard print pimp hat waiting for you at the end in the golden future of the uh, post apocalypse.
1: Yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. So, and, and uh, I have to put it out there. They put a lot of great voice acting in it. Um, I the enemies shout stuff that is in response to the things you're doing where they got shot when they got shot um, if you're getting flanked but it's like it's not the same voice clips over and over again they they iterate quite a bit they'll drop some f-bombs not so much that it's like duke nukem constantly dropping it but like every once in a while like when you really get the drop on them they'll say oh my god we're fucked or whatever like it's 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 really really satisfying Nice. No, it sounds really cool. So, so let me let me jump
0: into it a little bit further because like I'm I'm in, I'm really interested in this, especially because I understand Destiny has got some cool stuff going on. I think there's a new expansion pack coming out in October, um, mm-hmm. and I think they're doing some I don't know some lead up to that. There's new content dropping like on a monthly basis until that expansion pack. So Destiny's doing some cool stuff in the right direction. Destiny Two, and I was contemplating yeah. jumping back into it for a little bit and seeing kind of what I could tool around with. But sounds like the Division Two is maybe where it's at right now. Now, does it have a, like a decent population? Is it, is it well represented or is it flying under the radar?
1: Um, it's, I haven't done a lot of the things that would require me to, to sort of interact with it. Like I, I, we've quickly linked up with one uh, guild that's sort of given us all the players we need to do anything. Uh, shout out to the Leopard Print Pinpats. So shout out to the Prom Knights. They've been absolutely dope. Uh, and I wasn't uh, far off. You weren't that far off. There's a mechanic in the game where you can share gear that you've picked up uh, within a certain period of time, and they dropped us some very nice items. Yeah, man, it's worth a pickup, and it's what I liked about it is it was fun instantly And so far, like the gameplay between the early game and the late game, it isn't like they're two different games. It just keeps getting more interesting and more challenging. But it doesn't like some games, you know how like when you get to later in the game, like the game changes like it was. a, And sometimes I like the early game so much and the late game doesn't quite do the same things. Uh, It's been really good in that way. Uh, You know, just just to put a button on the whole experience. I would highly recommend this game to just about anybody, even if you weren't a fan of the first game, because I wasn't. I like I just had to pass on it. It didn't have the polish that I needed. This feels like a better all-around attempt, and like nice. scratches that itch of like that Diablo sort of Destiny feel, uh, and. I feel like there's a huge amount of content to explore. Like there seems to be an embarrassment of interesting content, but I don't feel behind. I feel like I'm in it at all times. So, uh, you know, I think it's worth a buy, um, you know, and, uh, you won't be disappointed if this is your thing. You know what I mean? Like if the general broad strokes, if it sounds like your deal, I guarantee you'll, you'll, you'll like this game. Yeah. It sounds like my deal. Is it, uh, how is it with a little herb? Perfection, my man. Oh Yeah nice The one criticism and I know the devs are listening, Goddamn fix the audio bug a problem. If you play for long enough, the audio starts dropping out and you know it can do it in some charming ways like what happened is for me everything but what was categorized as background noise fell off so the gunfire, the shouting. So all I could hear was the the gentle rain of my shells as they hit the ground and people's footsteps, and the wildlife, but everything else was silent. So that was cool. I kind of took it as if I had hearing loss and a little bit of PTSD. So Mm -hmm. I I kind of made that part of my in-game experience, and it was fun for a while. But it is a little bit vexing when, you know, your sound drops out because it's such a big part of the game. So God, fix this. Like, guys, come on, you're better than this. They're not listening, man. Those Ubisoft Montreal guys are too
0: busy. Dawson Poutine. Dawson that poot getting that put up in there poutine man you are a poutine guy yeah yeah let me tell you if the french are giving us anything amazing it is poutine let me i yeah. had some on I- the weekend
1: oh wow it's it's the kind of meal that is comforting and every bite feels like joy whether it's the wet warm gravy and cheese or the crispy outside fries um I do something that some people frown upon, but let me tell you what I do. In each of the four corners, I put a little dab of uh, ketchup. Me too, buddy. F-
0: poutine nice. brothers. A lot
1: of people lose their minds when you're like, ketchup on a poutine? I'm like, like No. Not on the poutine. Strategic ketchup stores. For when I've eaten so much of it, it's no longer poutine. It's just great fries. And I want to mop it up with a ketchup uh-huh, move. Uh-huh. It's a pro gamer move. Uh, and I, I think you should follow suit. listeners. Andy, you're already on the bandwagon. I'm like on the bandwagon. Listen,
0: I went to Montreal last September. I ate poutine for every meal for three days. This is not an exaggeration. <laughs> oh, no. And then I went back three weeks later to Quebec City with a family. Ate another three Distinct meals of poutine, so I'm serious about my poutine. Um, You're sweating gravy. I have a latent heart condition, but, but but poutine, I take it very seriously. And if anyone wants to give you shade for your uh, ketchup in the corner, you just you just point them you just point them in Andy's direction because toss that's them in the bin, buddy. Legit, toss them in the bin. <laughs> poutine sweats Whoa, there's anyhow. that
1: poutine cough and you're wow. too far away for me to give you CPR does your dog know how to resuscitate uh, cries and cheese curd want to go to the smoke sash smoke, uh, yeah let's do it
0: Oh, smoke, sesh, smoke, a sesh, smoke session. Smoke session. Smoke session. Smoke Dan, you've got to uh, you to get to work here soon, right? No. Oh, I thought you had a hard stop in 20 minutes.
1: Oh, I just div- i got to play some more division. Are you serious? Get out of here. Me? What? No. Who? What? Uh,
0: well, I tell you what. I prepared myself a little speed joint here so we could get right through the smoke session without too much ado. Ooh. Quick times. Yeah. Well, either way, I'll go first. I'm smoking on a little Aurora, which is one of our licensed producers up here in Canada. One of their Aces pre-rolls. That's the name of the brand. It's an indica pre-roll. I do not know the strain or the lineage. Um, they're nice little half gram pre-rolls. Um, on the nose, it smells like paper because it's inside of a joint already. Let me just, maybe I can unravel just to, just the tip. Nope. Get, Don't do that. Don't do that. Nose, rookie move. Get a little Mm-mm. nose on it. Oh, really? Quite nice. I gotta be honest with you. This smells like a Kush of some sort. Mmm. Ah. Yeah. Smells like a nice sweet Kush. Is what it smells like. What are you nice. smoking on today, Dan?
1: Buddy, I got from my my Jamaican Nugsmith a fantastic little uh, bag of herb. I was so blown away by the look of this. I haven't seen herb that looks as beautiful as this since I ordered from Broken Coast. Shout out to Broken Coast. Shout out. It is uh, Woody Kush. Uh, I almost didn't believe him because I smelt it. And it smells on the nose first like um, a little bit of uh, 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 grapefruit rind. But then behind it, it has that woodiness. It is so hairy. It looks like somebody's rolled it in orange hair. Um, I was connecting my bud with a little bit. And he goes, oh, did you already mix this with tobacco? I'm like, no, my dude. That is the good, good goodness that is held within. Nice. And uh, this is a kush that, believe it or not, is like... A complete, clear-headed, euphoric, laughing sativa high. I, oh, I just I could weird. not believe the guy how um, that it was a Kush, but uh, it, it it did turn out to be that. The smell is so clean, and uh, it's just the nugs in here are so fudgy and hairy. Uh, I've this is actually my new favorite smoke that, of the the breeds that I have on hand, just because like uh, we were going out for wings one night, and the four of us were all a little bit tired. It was after a long week, and we we blazed this down, and within five minutes we're awake and laughing and just having a great time. So it it was it was a tremendous choice. I'm really pleased. Nice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen uh, forthwith. And sorry,
0: there's no no discernible name though, right? I can't look this up on Leafly.
1: Once again, it's Woody Kush. Oh, Woody Kush. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Taste is so good. Like that on the taste, the tongue was like sweet, like almost um, um, wood with like orange peel on top, and just a teeny bit of spice. I took a dangerously large uh, uh, rip there, and it just rolled right off the right off. Love the
0: tongue. it. Let me let me ask. Is it? Um, are you smoking it out of the bong? Yeah nice don't be quick to underestimate woody kush says Leafly. while everything may seem mild and pleasant at first after a few minutes the true sedative effects of the strain kick in woody kush is extremely potent and offers great relief from insomnia and muscle pain a strictly nighttime indica patients will find themselves fast asleep before they realize it woody kush's heritage oh comes through its aroma Taking after its Master Kush, OG Kush, and Hindu Kush parentage, this strain features a distinct skunk-like scent and piney flavor.
1: See, no skunk at all, and that's why I continue to question my, my honored Nugsmith, because it is not a sleepy time guy at all. It's a yeah. completely an up and clear and happy one. True sedative... Yeah, I I don't know, man. This
0: is like effects are relaxed, sleepy, and happy. I gotta, I gotta call shenanigans on your, on your bud tender there. It sounds like not a fit. Um, You know, on this end, I'm, I'm curious to see how this indica goes down. I don't know, like it's called an indica pre roll from Aurora, right? Right. So I imagine that it's a, it's a pure indica. It smells like, if I'm being totally honest it smells somewhere in the neighborhood of a pink kush like it's very it's got that distinctively sweet kind of pink kush smell um yeah but uh but you know I don't know maybe a master kush or something like that um hindu kush uh, those are those are both pure indicas I believe although master kush I don't think has much sweetness in it I'm just trying to think like I'm trying to sleuth this down Aurora get mm-hmm. at us if you've got some uh, some input on what uh what this what strain this is but regardless let's let's go ahead and give this a light. Wish we had something for Jeremy to say, but we don't.
1: Next time.
0: Ooh, nicely rolled, though. Ah, oh, lovely. Oh, that is a really quite delightful. Hmm, the flavor is uh, nicely cedary. I don't get actually any of the sweetness that I'm smelling on the um, on the exhale. So there's a nice cedar flavor, very fresh and crisp and um, I wish I could taste the paper a little bit less. I'm not sure what paper they use to, to roll these guys. It feels like it's maybe a little thick. I've got a little bit of that paper, paper acridness at the end. Mm. But overall I rate it. See how this settles in. All right. Well, August has some really shit games releasing, Dan. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not looking forward to season 10 of Fortnite? Uh, No. No, I, I jumped off the Fort Wagon. Or Fort Wagon. Oh, God. The Fort Wagon. All right. Well, this Indica has settled in nicely. I find myself mm-hmm. slipping into mm-hmm. relaxation mode right away. Um, Just to let you know, I've had this really wicked... Uh, neck kink that I've been dealing with for the past four or five days instantly you like gone. necks, eh? you like you like a good neck uh yeah I do subscribe to necklover.com. only fourteen mm-hmm. ninety nine on a monthly basis Long use ne- promo code next purple only. dungeon neck for 15% <laughs> off a checkout and an anonymous credit card bill otherwise they give you the full enchilada hashtag get that neck get necky with it Uh, no Fortnite season 10 holds no interest for me Um, but you know if you're a Fortnite fan bless you keep doing that thing keep building those forts keep doing those showdowns at the end out of curiosity what does Fortnite season 10 entail
1: apparently the world is breaking down there's some dimensional rifts they've gone ahead and uh ripped off uh, respawn entertainment they've put titans into their games but not titans they're robots that you can pilot um just like they copied the ping and the re uh the respawn system so there's that um other than that i'm not sure
0: i don't i don't know any of what you just said uh okay Go but ahead. it sounds neat sounds neat it's called fortnite season x so that's right. pretty ominous. ominous. Um, there's something called the Brute. And uh, if you're driving the Brute, it looks that's like some titan, sort of... Man. Yeah, a mech or a titan of some sort. Um, you can super jump, dash into combat, and stomp on enemies and structures. And you get the materials once you've done that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and y- you can actually take a passenger with you, I believe, in this in this giant mech. So that's pretty neat S- also.
1: Some of them are two people, like literally... You to each of you operate a portion of the robot so that's interesting right yeah there's some
0: rifts that you know provide some additional wrinkles to the maps i guess uh just to provide a little bit of variety um and there appears to be some sort of bubble sci-fi bubble racer machine with a gun on the end of it um that looks yeah. kind of neat i don't know you know mm-hmm. what man Fortnite is has really got its own thing going on. And uh, I have nothing but respect for what they did. I remember this time, maybe a year and a half ago, listening to the Giant Bomb cast and um, hearing about how, you know, Fortnite and uh, and um, Bluehole, I guess, I, the guys who do PUBG, were getting into a dispute. Uh, and there was potential legal trouble brewing. And I think that the developers of Fortnite actually license. Um, the game engine yeah, yeah. to the PUBG guys. And so there was some drama there. And, you know, there was a lot of hate coming out for Fortnite being a PUBG ripoff. And then, you know, here we are a year and a half later. I can't remember the last time someone said PUBG to me. uh, But Fortnite is undoubtedly the king today.
1: You know, I like looking down a list of games and not recognizing titles, but like just getting interested by the title. There's some game coming out called Zeus Begins. It's an origin story for Zeus. Overdue, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Zeus begins. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And they got a director's cut coming out for The Bard's Tale, which is is actually uh, something I've been meaning to play, and I hear great things, so that might be a pickup for me. You hear great things? I've heard a lot of really bad things about The Bard's Tale 4. Okay, maybe it's a then.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you, uh, yeah, you may you may find that that one is, um, I believe it's just, it's rife with bugs, I think was the original, mm, and Director's Cut maybe, yeah, exactly, maybe corrects for some of that. I have heard a lot of positive up. things about B, BT4, though, to be honest. All right,
1: maybe give it a, a sniff test before I pick her
0: up. Sure. I mean, what else do we have here? There's a game called Dry Drowning. Uh pfft. Weird. It
1: sounds like a, a very, I believe this is like a very moody, like uh, investigative, uh, investigative sort of v- visual novel Oh, it's thing. a visual novel. Uh, it's not you know, even really a game for a number. I mean, you'll find it. you have to click buttons. Maybe there's, there's like, I think there's story branches. So you listen, I, I was a kid who p- read Choose Your Own Adventures. Uh, and now that you're not doing it with a book and you're doing it with a handheld, I think it qualifies, but just barely. Sure.
0: All right. Um, Metal Wolf Chaos XD is coming out, which is a remake of a 2004 game that's a mech shooter. And I don't know if we're just so starved for mech shooters that they had to re-release and remaster a 2004 title. Um, But nothing about this game looks appealing. Similarly with Sword Art Online. Have you heard of Sword Art Online before, Dan?
1: Yeah, I, um, I picked it up. Uh, in one of the earlier editions, and it didn't it it didn't quite land for me. A little bit too JRPG-y for me. Well, it is a JRPG. Um, I think they've done
0: something actually different with this particular iteration on the Switch. It is a shooter. So they've gone Sword Art Online. Fatal Bullet is uh, a third person shooter. Um, Action role-playing game. It's got the same shtick, which is basically that you know you're a you're a being existing inside of an MMORPG kind of thing. That's the that's mm. the mood. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the premise is not terrible, um, but they depart from the uh, the established more JRPG style or action JRPG style and go with this shooter element. Uh, and all accounts are that it's a pretty janky game that doesn't have a lot of (laughs) of, redeeming qualities but you know this is some the premise at least we have to agree sounds pretty interesting
1: yeah I feel like a lot of guys that are in that space that uh, we're resting on in old style the battle systems you used to see in old JRPGs they're like okay we need to mix it up because gaming has stepped forward and if we want to survive as this sort of genre we need to innovate as well and uh, people have done it to varying degrees of success right yeah
0: totally. There is one game that I did find pretty interesting. Um, Rad is coming out uh, da, 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 I think end of the month, the 20, sorry, uh, coming out on the 20th for PC, PS4, Xbox, and Switch, and it's kind of like a Dead Cells approximation. So, similar mm. to Dead Cells, It's set. In, it's also, or not also, but it is set in a post-apocalyptic setting. I think that the name is terrible, because if you Google Rad, nothing really relevant to this bad game SEO. comes up bad yeah. bad choice there but regardless it's got pretty solid reviews um on uh on the pre-roll here so allegedly um could be a nice little competitor to uh to dead cells is there anything else interesting here
1: i mean life is strange too is coming out my girlfriend will definitely play that sure. the exciting conclusion of that game Yeah, I don't think it's a conclusion. It's actually uh, a new story with new characters. And uh, I hear it's got really great characterization. And uh, the dialogue is genuinely interesting, which is always the needle you got to thread in a game like that.
0: Yeah, Life is Strange 2 is also a similarly um, kind of visual
1: novel style game. No? Yeah, there's not, it's exactly, it's a story with choices, and uh, and my girlfriend really dug the first one, and it's like a little bit, it was a little bit on the angsty side, but uh, you know, I, I watched it, it, it was it was interestingly enough. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, the only thing else here of note is
0: the uh, World of Warcraft Classic Edition that they are mm-hmm. enabling, uh, officially, and... I think this, this has seen mixed reviews. Some people like the idea of being able to go back to Vanilla WoW. I myself do not want to do that, um, despite the fact that I do love that game. And I did have fond memories of Vanilla WoW. But hey, I, people are probably enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's pushing that nostalgia button a little bit, doing a little bit of reset. And I, I think there, there'll be some some folks that are stoked about this because they remember WoW as a certain thing. And whether you're coming back to it or you've been playing a long time, uh, you can go back for the nostalgia and the comfort.
0: Can you really go home again though, Dan? I, I just... No. The game has come so far. Uh, I remember vanilla WoW. And the truth be told, like today's iteration of World of Warcraft, you can go back and visit all of those old haunts for the most part. You can at least get a sense for what some of that gameplay was like by running older raids like Molten Core, et cetera. Um, and it's oh, has not aged well It's at all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. So not for me, I guess is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Yeah, fair enough. I don't mean it be so down on August. I'm sure one of these titles will come through and be a sleeper hit. But uh, just in general, this feels like a great month to just pick up on my backlog.
1: Yeah. And there, there's plenty, you know.
0: Doesn't that sound refreshing, Dan? It does. It sounded like the taste of a new generation. Oh, my God. I've got a nice little grapefruit uh, grapefruit soda water here to quench my thirst. Ooh,
1: a little bit of a Le croix, perhaps?
0: Just enough, just a soup sawn
1: of grapefruit on the tip. And then the rest of it, just, just water. Fantastic. I like it. Refreshing with just a hint of fun, like yourself. Aw, um, so, uh, oh, Sweet. Is that a compliment? I couldn't tell as I was saying it. I'm like, is a hint not enough fun?
0: Yeah, yeah, no question. All righty, Dan. Well, we should probably call it a day soon. Did you want to adjourn on Leafly's new list? Seven factors that
1: affect your cannabis high? It's a strong closer, and I'm glad you chose
0: it. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's interesting because um, you you were the one who who sourced this. Uh, you were the one who sourced this article, and I actually think that this speaks to a lot of the um, discovery that I, as a you know a, a reemerging cannabis user, I've only been participating canna- in cannabis for the last let's call it three and a half four years. Sounds like a long time, but there are many people who have been smoking for twenty plus years, right? And it's amazing how individual the. experience of using cannabis is from person to person. And Leafly is kind of isolated here talking about seven different things that apart from your genetic predisposition to how you deal with cannabis, which is actually a thing, um, and apart from character traits like anxiety uh, and other um, potential medical challenges that a person might yeah, have. hardwired stuff, you know? Sure, the hardwired stuff. There are quite a few ways that you can uh, alter... And slash or improve or, 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 um, or make worse, uh, worsen. What's the word? Worsen. (laughs) Worsen. Sure. Your cannabis experience. Um, so number one is set in setting what do you
1: think about this one dan your environment playing a critical role yeah so true and i mean some people turn to a little bit of weed to to ease anxiety in a, a setting that is uh, you know not preferred you know they're doing something they don't like and that, that's true like if i'm going to clean i find a little bit of herb uh, might set me straight but if it's something like that's a high anxiety thing i might avoid it that that's not going to take the edge off for me but you see some people do it uh and set and setting uh, in that way plays a lot what do you think man yeah I
0: agree I agree speaking of setting my dog is lapping up some water in the background and I want to make sure you don't think that's me drinking my grapefruit juice like an alien I just thought you were really enjoying it <laughs> yeah no set and setting is is number one for me um, and when I when I say set and setting it's like you know There's everything from how the environment impacts your mood to the level of comfort that you've got going on. That's one of the big things, right? Like you consume cannabis, especially if you're on, um, you know, a potent indica or something like that. And if you're in an uncomfortable environment, for example, the chair you're on is really stiff. You've got to sit in a specific spot for a long time. Uh, You're in a crowded bus or car or other vehicle. Sometimes you're on an airplane and you know, you're know you just feeling a little claustrophobic in the middle of the non-aisle seats uh, in the middle of the plane. All of those things can create an experience where I'd rather have not consumed cannabis.
1: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. My rule of thumb, Andy, if you can't duck out, leave it out. Like if I'm in any kind of locked in situation and I can't dip, if things take a turn, that's for me is a bad time to blaze.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely. You're like going in the middle of a probationary hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't blaze before your three day voyage into the heart of the Amazon to, to uh, consume ayahuasca. Oh, that's the perfect time. That's the perfect time. <laughs> that's the best time. <laughs> Just make sure you get a little cannabis in there prior to the spiritual voyage. But listen, man, if you're going on if you're going on the ayahuasca freight train, cannabis is is but a
1: tickle beneath your foot. Just a gentle, a gentle offering that invites you into a rich glade of experience. Yeah, I watched um. What's her name? Oh God, why am I
0: spacing on her name? She did the Netflix documentary, the comedian. Uh, Sarah Silverman. No, come on, Sarah Silverman. Chelsea Handler, thank you. Chelsea Handler did a uh, did a five episode um, stint on Netflix where she documented different things that learned oh, about. Oh, did she? Yeah, she learned about different things. She had no idea about. I think one of them was like politics, and another one was oh god, just broad topics that the average person actually doesn't know that much about, um,
1: right? But we all pretend we know a lot about. <laughs> So it was, sure, it was a pretty clever. So this pod, this podcast, then. Yeah, Andy, I just want you to know that second clear, loud ding coming from your side of the house—that signals your your death. The first ding was like a warning <laughs> shot, but no, I've deployed the drones. Uh, which actually, I should have mentioned, Division Two has a rich choice of drones for uh, uh, your usage, which is pretty cool. But yes, that that second ding did signal your death. I see. Well, you know.
0: What can I say? Prepare me the soldering iron. I like how it came the first time
1: and you said, that'll be fine. That won't come up again. (laughs) You're like, I'm not going to turn it down any notches. Not one, not six. I'm just going to stride manfully into this podcast and wait for that second, the second ding of the
0: angels. Well, listen, Hark the Herald Angels ding uh, soldering iron for the new born king.
1: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Ten points stuck the landing.
0: <laughs> I'm not. I'm not newborn though. That was that one was a little off. Off kilter. The slightly ruffled around the edges. This indic is making me want to go to bed and also to eat a meatball yeah. sub. Uh, so let's continue on here. Have a good environment. Next thing, delivery method, smoking, vaping. And eating edibles. Each delivery method comes with its own variables. And that's very true. Um, Whether that is the potency, for example, taking the same strain and uh, vaping the extract means you're getting more of those cannabinoids per inhale. So that can be a different way um, of experiencing the same strain. Uh, similarly, um, you know, there's, I think you and I have probably both experienced the difference between, you know, smoking a joint versus consuming through a bong or a pipe. Yep. Um, there's a difference in the way that the, you know, the smoke is either filtered or the the distance between it and your mouth. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of different elements there. And then vaporizers can just really change. I think that's probably the number one thing that I've noticed. Vaporizers can really change the texture of how a
1: strain hits me, like vaping a herb. Absolutely. Yeah, have you experienced that as well? Completely. And the way you listed them are in the right order from I feel like least risky to most risky. I find vapes, it's the cleanest method. I find that those times it paths Packs the least wallop or at least the one that sneaks up on me the least uh, you know if yeah. you're, you're smoking a joint because I feel like you're working your way through it you tend to smoke more in the session so that can hit you a little harder and edibles boy can you go step way over the line by accident there you know that's that's the one where you really want to measure your, your dose and tread lightly due to that method you know what I'm saying?
0: Oh absolutely man I, I really just avoid edibles and listen Good edibles are coming, edibles with specific exact doses that can be um, hyper controlled and that can contribute to dosing and dosing is an important thing. It's actually the next thing on the list here to kill two birds with one stone or to get two birds stoned at once. the dose is uh, so important. And especially with edibles, you know, can really alter the way that you experience that because edibles will creep up on you. They will take time to hit you. Uh, And that can be challenging if you don't know the dose and you under consume. That's a frustrating experience because you just wasted 45 minutes or an hour trying to experience an effect. And if you overdose, well, that's seeing Satan for the next eight hours. So, um, you know, not desirable either, right? Right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I've talked about it before, but microdosing is my very favorite way to consume cannabis. Word. And to me, yeah, to me microdosing is taking, you know, no more than an eighth of a gram um and consuming the strain in that denomination or rather in that quantity because by the time you get through you're not so high that you're just baked. You are experiencing the subtle nuances of the strain. If it makes you sleepy, if it makes you euphoric, if it makes you talkative, if it makes you quiet, you know, those those things can actually come out as opposed to just getting a general stone.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, I'm i such a proponent of that, Andy. You, you hit the nail on the head in the way that... I think it's great to dip your toes in especially whenever you start a new strain because it's like such a new beast even if you leafly up and read a great article on that THC and what the terpenes are the what actually is in it varies highly uh, due to cultivation and, and elements in the soil, how much sun it got and the maturation length, things like that. So dip your toe in. Just give give it a little whiff. Give it a little how's your mother and see what's going on uh, yeah. just to get a sense of it. And then, you know, turn it up as you like. Um, yeah. Further in this article, I got to give it to Leafly. Amazing. They've, they've got something in here that I'd never heard before, Andy's age plays a role. I was just they, reading that. Yeah, they reference a 2007 study where they found a link between age and the effects of cannabis uh, in which the young rats were reported to uh, tolerate the effects of weed much better than their adult counterparts who showed more signs of stress, anxiety and suppressed uh, movement. So when you hear some uh, some old cat talking about how they used to huff on bones back in the day, but they can't handle it anymore. Uh, you know, there might be some real, actually like experiential truth, not just, uh, I grew up, you know what I mean? Like don't have time for that anymore. Maybe it stopped hitting them. So great.
0: I have to, I, I want to maybe, I want to disagree with this art. I, I mean, listen, who's who am I to disagree with bold. science?
1: <laughs> bold, bold
0: shots fired. Leafly lies and slander is
1: what you've printed.
0: It impacts older people or people who are uh, not adolescents anymore in a different way. Um, but you know, in the absence of examining the physiology of, a, of an adult versus the adolescent, as opposed to just reported effects. If we're dealing with reported effects, my suspicion is that there are more adults who are reluctant to experience cannabis, especially if they haven't for a long time. I know. Cause I was one. Um, yeah, because we're all so damn used to controlling everything. Like And and I think, I think, I don't remember, but as an adolescent, I can recall or I think I can recall not being so keen on controlling everything, every experience, every conversation, you know, the mood of not just yourself, but other people that you're responsible for. There's so many more layered responsibilities that come into play in adulthood that I feel letting go of all of those things is much
1: scarier. Yeah. Hey, man, control is its own type of drug that the ego gets addicted to and starts yeah, to expect. Man. And it's that hit, that hit of safety <laughs> and that hit of looking good. Everything's going to go right. Cause I got my hand firmly on the wheel and that, there's a place for control, but when you got your hand firmly on the wheel, you, you don't get into as many interesting places, and other people don't get their hands on the wheel and take you to some cool places. So some maybe weed as much as a break from that particular drug of dominating every situation for some folks, and that's like a challenge that it can be great to take on.
0: I mean, I couldn't agree more, man. And, you know, I say this all the time when people ask, especially like I, I'm exposed to a lot of people. That are either trying to get (laughs) Andy, I read the police bulletin I know you expose yourself to a lot of people Well played, man, well played Um, But, you know, I'm exposed to a lot of people Who are coming from a space of not having tried Cannabis in a long time Not ever having tried cannabis Being maybe 40, 50, 60 And never having tried cannabis Or looking for reasons why they would want to re-engage with it Now that it's legal And the number one thing that I tell them Because it's what's true for me And I'm a person who deals with stress and anxiety Like any other person, right? Uh, However, what I find that cannabis does, as opposed to, let's say, alcohol, because both are used in similar connotations, you get home at the end of the day, you want to before bed or in the evening, you know, relax and unwind a little bit, alcohol creates a suppressive element, right? And that can be... Um, That can be helpful if you're someone who has trouble letting go of control because it does, I think we can all agree, release your inhibitions. I don't think cannabis has the same effect. I don't think that there's that inhibition releasing property. I think what it offers is a change of perspective. Things don't get dulled. You just look at things in a different, more, I would dare say it, objective way right? And yeah. it's it's a really powerful way to to just change your state because if you're dealing with a challenge or an issue throughout the day and you're fixated on it and it's big and it's real and it's all you're thinking about, the idea of you know putting yourself in a, a more uncertain state of mind by consuming cannabis, a state that you don't know what it is, is certainly much more terrifying. But if you actually get there and you experience a change of perspective, oftentimes what I see is that the thing that I've i'm challenged with throughout the day or the thing that i'm fixated on it's not that it goes away it's not that i understand it as any less of a problem or i don't care anymore because i'm suppressed by alcohol i just am legitimately able to objectively look at that challenge and say you know what i either have the tools to deal with this or it's not as oppressive or as big a deal in the context of my life as i thought it was that's a pretty powerful thing dan
1: you're just like emotionally shifting gears you're like here's me in one state here's me in another and you kind of trust yourself to to go there because you know yourself really well and i I, i'm gonna put another spin on it and it's maybe a little bit more of a daunting one sometimes weed makes you check in on yourself stuff that you've been like ignoring you're putting in the periphery for me a lot of the time it's like guess what brain every all the thoughts you filter out That doesn't happen anymore. You're getting every thought, which sometimes is great because it'll force me to look at something that I really need to address that's going on in my life that maybe doesn't work for me and like what I'm doing. And sometimes it makes me think: Do I have enough rice if the if the grocery store doesn't have any food and the apocalypse strikes? And that's when I have to like talk my dad myself off the ledge. I'm like, how much water do I have? Like, just <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> really you start, true. Start it's, checking on everything.
0: All the it's it the two things that you described I find absolutely similar, and I'm struggling to remember the first one because this Indica is great, but.
1: <laughs> the first and one. Lots is, of words were said. Lots of words. Good comedy were said. podcast day, eh? and at the end, a little personal development <laughs> snuck up on you, didn't it? This is the boring. Uh,
0: this is the boring preachy part. That's it, man. That's it. We're about to go into 17 <laughs> verses of a of a biblical hymn that I wrote myself and executed on a Casio. Um, but, It'll be like you're you, but better. <laughs> so, to your first point, which is not being able to filter out your thoughts. yes. And it's a real bear sometimes because there's some perhaps negative behaviors that you can really convince yourself are not a big deal throughout the day. You know, 10 cans of tuna a (laughs) week. Yes. The 10 cans of tuna mercury poisoning experience. By the way, Tony Robbins was actually hospitalized for mercury poison. And that guy eats a lot of tuna. Um, So first of all, glad you're cool, Tony, because that's brutal. Second of all, we all got to chill on the tuna. we do I have
1: to say your detoxification uh, is going great you can do math again right (laughs) you're not constantly asking me hey man uh, who are you again (laughs) that's good Right, I haven't seen you chewing on uh, bits of wood no in, in a long time, and that's oh, good. Just yeah. like lost in the middle of town, does anyone know where I live? It's like written on a tag in the back here. Just of your, eating a can of, of tuna
0: with some crackers, yeah, pretty just, good.
1: <laughs> just still eating it. Can't get anyone to come close enough to and re- render aid. Oh, man, I really want to come help you, but
0: dude, that guy stinks like fish. Um, but it's true, you know these unproductive habits that you that you can uh, listen. Uh, a good one would be maybe you're someone who's and trying to quit smoking or something like that. Right, and you've convinced yourself, you've come back in, you know, you're going whole hog, but you don't sit there and think about how you've let yourself down in that moment or, uh, you know, on any of your behaviors you're trying to curtail. It just becomes part of your survival mechanisms throughout the day. Cannabis has a really uncanny way of bringing all those things to the forefront, so you actually have to deal with them. Doesn't make cannabis sound that great, but it
1: is kind of great, right? It's, it can be good, uh, you know, uh, applied over the long haul. In the short term, it can be uncomfortable, but, you know, it's maybe un- important to be uncomfortable. And uh, I have to say, well, if I could put a fine point, it's like certain strains, not all the time, but cannabis won't let me be full of shit. Over the long haul, because I might be able to hit pause on that as my ego tells, <laughs> tells myself how perfect I am. But in that moment, if I am full of shit on something, it'll like serve it to me on a platter. It's like you might possibly be just like totally full of shit on this and yeah. I have to go clean it up and listen Dan you and I both have a proclivity for being full of shit if I may be so oh yes
0: so, oh, so full of shit so packing
1: it <laughs> in every orifice
0: just listen, bloviating it's a, it's a to fine, the heavens it's a fine line between delusion <laughs> and a fine art a fine, a fine line between delusion and confidence am I right oh uh, yeah and it's it's the line is is made only of make believe that's it and let me tell you delusional confident people <laughs> Delusional confident people The title of the episode Delusional confident people Like us do not need alcohol
1: <laughs> no. Well, we need- no Well Listen Listener You might be wondering Perhaps I am full of shit And I, uh, I Tell you The best thing to do Is smoke a bone And, and sit bone. in silence And, it'll, and it'll let you know But here's how you know And that statement Has not been approved By a
0: doctor Nor are we doctors No Or lawyers No that's true but We're but a little lawyers Maybe on TV
1: Here's a second question It's like a questionnaire Ask yourself Sometimes, do you start sentences that you don't know how you're going to finish? Maybe you don't, but you would if you were full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny, man. That's really funny.
0: And the second point you mentioned there, which is getting hyper attentive to details. It's really funny, right? Because the typical stoner um, image is... One of a person who is constantly forgetting everything and who has not a care in the world, apathetic in other words. But I find, I mean, possibly if too much is consumed or a big dose is consumed, that, that could be the case. But I find if you're yeah. micro dosing, there's actually an attention to detail and a presence of the environment um, that you're in that comes yeah. to me that is actually super helpful. I'll find I, I'm doing things like closing cupboards you know, that I've accidentally left open more thoughtfully and ensuring that yeah.
1: I'm not leaving the lights on in the bathroom. Just small, small little presence of mind. Things like that will make you present. And the way I describe it, is it, it brings you your presence into the tips of your fingers. Like you're ready to delicately pay attention to things with just the tips of your fingers like you say closing doors like setting things away like you're you're ready to groom yourself it brings you right into like that box right in front of your face just total focus
0: yeah really good point great great way of putting that Dan thanks pal well, speaking of bloviating, let's uh, mm-hmm. let's wrap this puppy up. Did we miss anything at the bottom of that? Age tolerance. We talked a little Ned, bit about
1: tolerance. It's uh, Good note, weed is, uh, scientifically, you will uh, build a tolerance, but you can also lose it very quickly, and uh, there are actually some methods for, uh, in a, less than two weeks, bringing your tolerance uh, down to zero, and I encourage you to Google it. It's a good time... You should stop everything for a while. And if something you never stop, you definitely need to take a break. That's true of anything. So, you know, if you're joyously uh, enjoying the the gift of of weed uh, and marijuana and flour and all that stuff, uh, take a breather. You'll thank me. Yeah. And never
0: uh, fear, we won't ask you to Google things on this podcast. That would be cruel <laughs> we have all the information at our fingertips. So More bloviating. Just, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page, if you uh, find yourself with an above-average tolerance because you've been chiefing too many bones recently, here are some things in rapid-fire motion that the Growth Op, at thegrowthop.com, not a sponsor, thank you for the check, um, recommends you take on. Number one, take a break. No kidding. Commit to at least a two week break from marijuana. A month is better. I mean, two weeks is you can do pretty it. long, but fair enough. Exercise. Yep. Apparently, physical activity can lower your tolerance level. Expressing all those latent THCs in your muscles and fats. I don't think that yeah, I don't think anything I said there was accurate, but exercise. Uh, skip the wake and bake session. Well, that goes along with taking True. a break. Um, but yep. uh, you know. Uh, allegedly, con- uh, well, actually it's true when you consume cannabis first thing in the morning. And I really, I've only done that a handful of times throughout my life. It's not re- wake and bake is not my preferred option, but, um, you know, by 11 AM you're kind of, uh, dipping. Yeah. You're dipped. I would say you're pretty much back to normal. Um, but mm. you know, if you're, if you're, if you're token at any other point during the rest of the day, all it's doing is, you know, bringing you into a slightly altered position and possibly a more tired position because i find that that's what happens to me when i re-engage after engaging earlier
1: yeah yeah you double down on the after effects you dip and then you're into a double dip after the second time maybe not true across the board but my experience as well um uh, another method is taking anything with niacin in it. There's some natural sources of niacin. Um, naturally flushes the body. Uh, there's actually a great energy drink that contains uh, niacin and another element that will help, which is B12. It's nice. called Zyance. It's, it's available in the U.S. a little bit in Canada. Canada. It's like 1,200% of your daily B12 and another B vi- vitamin, vitamin called pentothalate. Vitamin. A vitamin. Yep. But don't drink too Uh, cans of it because you'll get nice and flush your face will go red yeah use less per session
0: uh makes sense microdose in other words use a different type of weed yep switching up the strain can be effective invest in a chillum again just a way to manage the amount of cannabis you're consuming it's a small um uh bat like cigarette looking uh pipe so you're naturally consuming a smaller dose and then uh the last one here is practicing mindfulness Determine for yourself. Do I really need the weed, man? Do I need it mm-hmm. right now? Practice some of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've gone off the rails. If you enjoyed this episode of Purple Dungeon Squid, make sure you check us out on Instagram
1: at Purple Dungeon Squid. And folks, we'd love it if you just share this little gem with friends and strangers alike. Uh, listener questions
0: or games you want us to play purple dungeon squid at gmail.com until next time
1: please my friends keep it dank fuck i am high